Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter on this episode, episode 81. So this week, we're going to be talking about the MLB, some basketball, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. We got some big news that we kind of, we leaked. Can we say that we leaked the uh, MLB plans last week? Because everybody kind of knew what was happening. Uh, but we have official plans for reopening Major League Baseball, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, we're still a long way from actually getting to the Point where it's going to happen both you know in the calendar and an official agreement hasn't been made the owners have been really good at dangling gummy worms out in front of us and getting us all excited for baseball i like gummy worms and i know I that's like why baseball. i use gummy worms kyle i know you love gummy worms <laughs> i also like baseball so yeah the owners have been dangling those gummy worms so fans get excited all before ever giving the Players Association an actual plan. They finally gave the Players Association a plan here on Tuesday, and I'm told that talks on Tuesday ended without um, any real progress being made towards an agreement. But um, there is a there is an offer on the table. The players and uh, ownership are negotiating about it. So we're going to talk about what that plan entails, what some of the sticking points will be, and what it might actually look like when it finally um, gets around. So some of the more you know practical details of how the, the season's going to look once it starts is that there'll be around 82 regular season games played, somewhere between 80 and 100, it sounds like, is the goal. Um, games are only going to get against regional opponents so basically your division plus your geographic um counterparts in the other league um there's going to be a universe because there'll be so many uh interleague games uh there's going to be a universal dh this year so both american league and national league uh teams games in american league and national league ballparks will be played with a dh and then the playoffs would be expanded from the current 10 teams up to 14 teams for this year. So I don't they don't know if it'll look exactly like that 14-team playoff proposal that the MLB floated out earlier um, over the winter, but playoffs will be 14 teams under this plan if it is approved in its current form by the Players Association. Um, before we get to some of the more sticking points and stuff like that, what do you guys think of those rules as far as as getting a season underway with those rules? I mean, I don't obviously I don't mind it. I just want to see baseball, really. I guess one of the main questions that I still have is how are the standings going to work out? Are they still gonna be like the AL Central is the same, the NL Central is the same, but there's just a ton of like interleague games yes that's my that's my understanding is that the playoffs will or that the divisions will stay the same and the division winners will still get the playoff spot and then the other what does that make other four spots in each league will be wild cards there will still be american league and national league playoffs just as there would be on a normal year it's just that you're playing games against a different set of opponents yeah. I don't know. I don't mind it. I think 
I think the playoff expansion to 14 teams might might be a stretch for me, but then again, this is completely different circumstances that they're having to come up with. So mm-hmm. I just don't want to be the commissioner right now. Right. And so here's here's the reason behind the the 14 team playoff, right? Essentially, right? Because normally the MLB playoffs are smaller than any other sport because the the length of the season, right, is great at actually determining who's good and who's not, right? But if you take the shorter you make the season, the more fluky it can become, right? So if you take, you know, a team's best 150-game stretch, right, their average winning percentage is only like um, is only like one or two percentage points better than what it was over 162 games. But if you shorten that down to a 75-game season, you're talking about your best 75 games are usually like eight to 10 percentage points better than your overall winning percentage on 162 games. And similar things can be said for worst stretch of games, right? So essentially the expanded playoffs are just allowing for some of the, the, the actual good teams that played poorly for a lot, like the Nationals last year, right? The Nationals certainly wouldn't have made the playoffs last year in a 75-game season with how poorly they started, right? Essentially just leaves room for that scenario to happen with the assumption that the, the, the good teams will still, the best teams will still win playoff games, which is not assured, but that's the reason behind the expanded playoffs. Yeah. That's that's fair. I'm like I said, I'm not against it at all. I just want to see baseball, really. Yeah. Um, Even if they came up with something that I was completely against, I would still watch it. Yeah, I agree. I would watch baseball in pretty much any form we can get at this point. So I'm just hoping for baseball. Unfortunately, there are definitely some sticking points in this agreement that will have to get worked through before baseball can resume. Uh, The first or the most contentious of the issues is going to be money. So as we previously talked about on this podcast, the players and the owners reached agreement earlier um, that said the players would get a small front of their salary right now right, to hold them over until games start with the agreement that they would take a prorated salary based on the number of games played um, for the season, right? So 81 games played, half your salary, etc. Um, but now with this part of the deal, the owner's proposal is that basically the players and the league would do a 50-50 revenue split Uh, sort of like what you see in the NFL or the NBA, right, where salaries are a percentage of revenue, right? That's not the case in baseball because baseball is not a salary cap league. So essentially what you have the owners doing here is they're trying to slide a salary cap proposal in for this season um, with their restarting plans. And the players are having none of it from what I hear, right? The players are not interested in – doing a salary cap at all. Uh, Firstly, because, right, they've fought this tooth and nail, basically every collective bargaining agreement since the 1980s. The players have fought against uh, a salary cap or a revenue split for baseball salaries. I mean, there was even a World Series that was lost due to a strike because the players were resisting 
a salary cap in baseball. So the players are going to are going to keep fighting against that and also they are going to be hesitant to accept any deal that pays them less than their prorated salary because they already agreed to that, right? They already made an agreement with the owners about play. The owners are going to contend they can't make money with that with no fans in the stands, right? And there's where your sticking point is going to be. But that's the big one is money and the owners' proposed revenue split with the players just wanting prorated salary based on the number of games played. And the other sticking point is there was no mention of safety in this plan. Right? How's testing going to work? How's right? How are they going to make sure players stay safe and don't get the virus? Right? Things like that weren't addressed, and those will get ironed out for sure. But it's something that's a sticking point that has to get ironed out. So, yeah, obvious. I mean, obviously, I don't think much like the case that we had talked about last week, where the NBA won't, the NBA doesn't want to resume the season until they know for sure that they are not taking away the testing that is needed for the general public in order to resume the season safe safely. So if the MLB, I'm, I'm under the assumption that the MLB is operating under the same rule that are operating under not a rule, I guess, but convention really, or hypothetical that they don't want to take the tests away from the general public just to operate uh, an MLB season. Um, and with that many teams, that many players, that's a lot of tests that would be needed. Um, so obviously they need to iron out those details first before they can even really, really set in stone an official restarting plan. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, Right. I mean, they'll work this out. Right. I'm 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 very confident they'll work this out because there's too much money at stake for both sides for this not to just not get worked out at some point. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, the the, the plan in its current form will not be accepted by the players. I can tell you that right now. And like the players want to play. So. I, I have a feeling that the players are going to make some concessions, but in no way, shape, or form are they going to allow a salary cap to be slid in for the 2020 season just to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Because, right, remember, as we've talked about before, there's a CBA negotiation coming up here in uh, in Major League Baseball coming up here uh, next year, right, with the CBA expiring after the 2021 season. And if the owners get the salary cap by now, they're going to push even harder to get it to happen for the 2021 or in that that new collective yeah. bargaining agreement. So the players don't want to buy, don't want to budge there for that reason as well. We'll see. Worth keeping an eye on, and we will certainly keep you updated on all things MLB resumption, um, as far as MLB resumption is concerned, on the 8311 cast. But unless Kyle Wyatt have anything else, I'm going to move on to something, a, a note that the NCAA tried to slide in yesterday that I was having none of. I, I don't have anything else, so you may proceed unless Wyatt tells you that you can't. So Wyatt's not in charge of me, so I'm going to do whatever I want. All right. So, yeah, the NCAA tried, uh, made an announcement yesterday that they are changing the the calculations for the net rankings. Now, at first when I saw that, I was like, okay, sweet. They are going to change the net rankings 
because, right, the Big Ten broke the net last year, right? Remember, we talked about that. That's how a team like um, 16 and 15 Rutgers was ranked number 32 in the net, or how a team like 15 and 16 Minnesota was ranked number 42 in the net, right? So it's like, okay, they're going to change that. They're going to factor in winning percentage more, right? Winning the games is important. But they did exactly the opposite. So there used to be five factors in the uh, NCAA in the net rankings. The team value index, which, you know, is sort of like your, your, like your Ken Palm ranking, for those of you who are familiar with Ken Palm. So your adjusted team uh, ranking, which we'll call your Ken Palm, for lack of a better phrase, um, and then your adjusted net efficiency rating, which essentially is sort of like your strength of schedule component. Um, the three that they threw out, so those are the two that are going to stay in the calculation. The three that they used to use that they threw out were your winning percentage, adjusted winning percentage, and scoring margin. So essentially... At least I thought they had a problem with teams that getting rewarded for having tough schedules and not winning. And their proposed fix for that was throw out your winning percentage. That's no longer used. I feel like this is just going to exasperate the problems that the Big Ten brought to light in, in the, net, the net ranking system last year by just playing ridiculously tough schedules, Minnesota and Purdue specifically. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. When you're only looking at strength of schedules, how are how are you going to evaluate um, how are you going to evaluate non-power five basketball programs then? Because their strength of schedules are already at a disadvantage compared to those power five programs, right? Otherwise, you have to, if you're a non-power five team in college basketball in order to have any standing in the net, wouldn't you pretty much in your non-conference just have to stack your schedule with like the best teams in the country in order to have any relevance in the net then? I mean, it's not only strength of schedule, right? That's not the only factor, right? But there's only two, and now strength of schedule is the largest, or is like is, right, is a majority. Yeah, your adjusted efficiency, that team value index, your, that adjusted efficiency is still the most important factor, but yeah, right. You've, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to play efficiently. I feel like it puts more emphasis on playing efficiently and playing good teams efficiently instead of winning games. Yeah. And I feel like the teams who win games should have an advantage, right? You, you play to win you the game. Play to win the That's game. That's what I've been told. That's so. I, and that's like you can't look at you can't take Gonzaga from last season or Kansas from last season. Kansas finished twenty eight and three. Gonzaga finished with either one or two losses in the season. Thirty one and, and two. And and you can't compare those teams to let's just say Purdue, who was in the conversation, or Indiana in the conversation at the end of the season in the Big Ten. And Purdue was right around five. Purdue and Indiana were both right around five hundred or below. That you you can't compare those teams. Yeah, I feel like the RPI did a better job at 
rewarding winning. Yeah. I And I was... I think both you and I were against moving to the net rankings. I mean, the thing I didn't like about the net is, right, with the RPI, the formula was there. If I wanted to go calculate a team's yeah. RPI, I could do it. Though the factors, right, are out there for how you, they calculate the net, they, that's the all they The formula isn't out there. Right, exactly. They tell the formula you this, is a trade secret. Right. They tell you there's this team value index that they use, but they don't tell you what's part of – and they tell you in general what makes it up, but you, know, you can't go look at a team's team value index and see how it got factored in. And I didn't like that, but. And, and now they're saying, or this, this guy's name, Gavit, who's the vice president or whatever for the NV, in NCAA, Dan Gavit, NCAA senior vice president of basketball. He said that with these changes, they will continue to monitor the metric, but they do not and this is in quotes, they do not anticipate any additional adjustments for several years. They feel as if this tweak is it. I, and I don't know if it's it or not. I, I want to, right, what I'd be really curious, and I would love if they'd release, is give me, let me compare this year's net final net rankings with what they would be with this new formula. That's what I would love to see. Because maybe I'm misinterpreting what they mean, and it actually does fix the issues I see in the net. But it seems to me like they're, they're being counterproductive. I would love to see this formula based on last year's result, run on last year's results and see what it gives. I would, I would enjoy that very much. But we're not so, going to get that. That's a pipe dream. So the net efficiency rating, just for all of our listeners, if they're not exactly sure of what it stands for it is it is adjusted to account for the strength of the opponent and location of each game so it now put aims a greater value on statistics recorded against stronger opponents and their tweak or their modernized strength of schedule is now based on rating every opponent on a team's schedule by how hard it would be for an NCAA tournament caliber team to win the game. It considers opponent strength and game site assigning a difficulty score to each game. So is that implying that it... it factors in how hard it is to win at a specific road venue or just I, win I on believe, the road. Yeah, I believe that's against an NCAA tournament caliber team, how hard it would be for an NCAA tournament caliber team to win the game. So I believe what that's saying is it takes into account your opponent's venue and how hard it is to win there. So, right, so, so like Kansas so and winning, Kentucky... Yeah, so winning at the fog, so winning at the fog is worth more than winning at the the barn. Yeah, right. If winning if, at assuming Rupp Kansas Arena, and Minnesota were equally ranked teams, otherwise, winning at Rupp Arena is going to be way more important than winning at whatever TCU's. Oh. That's interesting. 
I'll have to do more. I'll have to look into that more and see if that's actually the case. Because this I don't... is this is according to a reporter from CBS, and I'm also seeing it from a KU reporter, Kevin Harlan. Interesting. Well, anyway, that'll be something to keep an eye on as next college basketball season rolls around, because yeah. I I want to see how this net shakes up and see if. I like it better or worse. Something to keep but an the, eye on for the next college basketball. When season. does the net? Doesn't the net not come out until like midway through the season? No, I'm talking about the college football playoff rankings. Oh, never mind. It, it'll come out midway through like non-conference play. Once there's okay. enough data to actually, I thought. Yeah, I thought there was to, some delay of when it came out. Yeah, enough that you can make these things statistically significant because yep. one game isn't enough to make rankings statistically significant so yeah it was like at the beginning of the season when george condit was like the leader in blocks in all the country Mm -hmm. and then that just fell off the cliff so Mm -hmm. statistically insignificant yes statistics matter statistics do matter and we as humans are horrible at understanding statistics so yes we are human mind was not meant to work well with statistics or probability for that matter study statistics and probability it's fun that is all yeah talking about statistics and probability everyone is trying to figure out what is going to happen in this upcoming 2020 nfl season if everyone was If anyone was living under a rock, the NFL did announce the 2020 schedule last Thursday. Uh, That was May 7th, last Thursday. Um, The the, the takeaway that I thought was kind of interesting was the Chiefs get to open up the season playing the Texans. So they get to raise the banner, their their Super Bowl banner on the Texans, the team that they beat when they were down 24 to nothing so that that, that's kind of fun but the other main takeaway is I mean obviously I don't know this for sure yet but just looking at the Monday night football slate for this upcoming season um it it seems like a dud and and if you all didn't hear other big news boomer and Boomer is out of the booth for Monday Night Football. So that is that's fantastic news. But the schedule for Monday Night Football includes some some rough games. I'll just say that At the Chief, it's highlighted mainly by the Chiefs and the Ravens, which will be a very good game in week three. But then you got games like Bears at Rams. Um, Buccaneers at Giants with Tom Brady. Maybe they'll they'll probably steamroll the Giants. Patriots at Jets. That might be a dud of a game. I, it's just not very exciting for a prime for a quote unquote primetime game. So it's interesting how the NFL laid out the Monday night schedule, but that might just be me. I don't know about anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't ever take – I mean, ESPN generally knows what they're doing with those Monday Night Football games. 
I think they're probably going to work out just fine. And people are going to watch Monday Night Football no matter what. Yeah. Especially, especially this year. Yep. So I'm not too concerned about that. I did have one. There was one interesting uh, schedule note. For the first time since 1991, there are, there's two teams that play each other for back-to-back regular season games. Hasn't happened since 1991, but it is happening this year. I didn't even notice that. What is? What are those the, games? The, the Jets and Dolphins play each other in week 12 and week 14. So what, that's why you might not catch it, but they yep. both have week 13 buys. Gotcha. Or maybe it's they play in 11 and 13 with week 12 buys, something like that. They play two weeks apart, but both teams have buys in the middle. So that means they're playing. Both teams are playing each other in back-to-back regular season games. It's the first time it happened since 1991. I think I also. I think I also read this. That this usually doesn't happen, but I think the Patriots. I think I read this that the Patriots are playing two road games at the same stadium in back-to-back weeks. Because they play the Jets and Giants in the Meadowlands at the same week? I, no, I think they're playing the Chargers and the Rams. Hmm. Maybe. Interesting. Let me let me fact check that and look that up. I mean, it has to be one of the two. Those are the only two options. Yeah. I just guessed. I just guessed Jets and Giants because they definitely play the Jets on the road because they do every year because they're in the same division. So Chargers and Rams. Yep. It is the Chargers and Rams. December 6th and December 10th, (laughs) back-to-back weeks. Interesting. You wonder if they just stay out there or what. Yeah, they, oh, they should. Yeah. The East Coast team going to the West Coast, playing two games four days apart, they should not come No, they're not, they're not four days apart. It's December 6th and 10th. Oh, right. That is a Sunday and then a Thursday night football. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah, they... They, they will not go back to Foxborough. Definitely in between. They'll not. just stay out no. there. No. If it was a West Coast team doing that, yeah, they'd go home, but not an East Coast team. Yeah. Anyway, the only other interesting schedule thing I wanted to note is that the Vikings play on a Friday afternoon on Christmas against the Saints. I hate that. Stop playing football on Christmas. Enough said. It It's going to be a great game, though. Stop playing football on Christmas. If it was a Sunday, I'd be like, all right, fine. I get it. It's Sunday. If it was a night game, I'd be like, all right, Christmas night football. I can get behind that. You've done all your family stuff. It's good. Sunday at, or Friday afternoon on Christmas. I hate that. I hate that. You should be watching like that. You should be watching Christmas story with your family. That's what you should be doing. Not football. You like that. Christmas Story, must watch on Christmas. Best mo- best Christmas movie by far. It will be a great game, however. I mean, yeah, I, probably. I did. I had a ton of fun when I went to the Christmas uh, Chiefs game against the Broncos like three or four years back. Yeah, but was that a really was a fun game. Going to the stadium, everyone's got their Santa hats on. It was fun. See, that works because the Chiefs are red. doesn't work for as many other teams. Yeah. But it's true. Anyway, why did you have any notes on the NFL schedule? I did not. Sorry, okay. I'm not. I'm not keeping up with a whole lot that's going on because there's no sports to watch. I get all my information from watching sports. I don't do a whole lot of the research behind the scenes. <laughs> you know, that's I'm, fair. I'm lazy. I, I just have nothing else to do, so I'm also doing the research behind the scenes. 
Oh, since since you guys have nothing to do, right? Go and check out uh, Project Eleven on ESPN if you have not. It's the documentary about Alex Smith um, and his hor- horrific leg injury. Uh, let's see, two years ago now, um, twenty eighteen. Go watch that documentary. Fantastic. Uh, ESPN did a fantastic production of it. It's a great documentary. Well worth your time. It's like 47 minutes. So Nice. It takes a lot less time to uh, to watch that documentary than it does to watch The Tiger King. Mm, which is you know, like seven, seven or eight episodes. 47 minutes. I've never watched The Tiger King. I'm resisting. <laughs> Just like he doesn't watch a Super Bowl halftime show. I also resist the Super Bowl halftime show. Mike, what is your opinion about concerts and sporting events? Halftime should not be extended in the biggest sporting event of the year to play a usually poorly performed rock concert. I've talked about this in this podcast. (laughs) I'm not going to get into it again. This is not the time to get into this discussion again. I hate the wave. Oh, it is. It's perfect because it's making me laugh. <laughs> no, we're done with this. I'm not going to get worked up about it right now. I have other things to get worked up about right now that aren't related to the Super Bowl halftime show or but, the wave. But when you go to Target Field, the first thing that you always hope to see is the wave, right? You're done. I'm going to move on to my next segment now unless somebody has a – unless Wyatt tells me I'm not to. Kyle doesn't have an opinion anymore. No, I was trying to like form a transition about having like a halftime show during a cricket game or something, but I don't even know how cricket's structured. So it's, it's weird <laughs> that you bring up cricket. Yeah, whoa, I wonder where that came from. Yeah, well, I can tell you where that came from. We are continuing our Mike's Stupid Rules series um, for rules from obscure sports, and we are going to talk about cricket this week. Is why it's sad. So it's obscure I'm not, to us, though. Just to clarify, cricket's true. a very unobscure sport, but we. If just you don't live in it. India or Australia or New Zealand or Britain, those are about the only four countries that play cricket. Uh, okay. But anyway, so I'm not going to talk about an obscure cricket rule because, like I said in the series, we're just more sort of talking about regular rules. Because people don't know much about cricket. So I could tell you an obscure rule, but I'd end up telling you half the game as prerequisite for you to understand the obscure rule. So we're just going to give you the basics. So in cricket, just like baseball, you got two teams and you play innings. So you don't necessarily play nine innings. It depends on the game how many innings you play. And, you know, in each inning, one team's the batter and one team's fielding, right? So essentially, just like baseball, you have one team you have a, a, a pitcher in cricket it's called a bowler instead of a pitcher but one team one player throwing the ball towards the batter and the, the the batter is trying to to hit it now the way that cricket works is essentially one team bats until the uh, until the, the fielding team gets 10 wickets wickets are sort of like the equivalent of outs in cricket so a team can get a, 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 a wicket or an out uh, in four different ways. So you can either – so basically instead of having balls and strikes when you pitch, you're, 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 you're bowling or pitching at a wicket, which is essentially just a, a, wood, a wood stake basically, right? 
And so when you're when you're bowling, if you hit the wicket, so you know the batter doesn't swing or the batter misses, and you hit the wicket, that 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 that's an out. Um, if you catch the the ball in the air after it's hit, that's an out. Um, if you hit the the batsman in the leg while he's in front of the wicket, that's an out. Or if you hit the wicket, so after the batter hits the ball, if you hit the wicket before the batter can run to the other end. So you've got two wickets, one that the batter's at and one at the other end, right? And once you hit it, you're trying to run to the other end. If you hit either wicket before the batter gets to the other end, that, that's also an out. So that's, that's how, if you get 10 of those, that's when, you, that's when you switch sides. Now, the goal is, of course, to get the most runs, you can get runs in three different ways. First of all, each time you run from one wicket to the other, that's one run. If you, so cricket is played on a completely circular field, right? So there's a completely circular boundary. Maybe it's not a circle, maybe it's an oval, whatever. It's 360 degrees. So if you get it outside of that 360 degree boundary on a bounce or on the roll, that's worth four runs. If you hit it out of that, area in the air that's worth six runs those are the ways you score runs in cricket cricket is a very high scoring game um, it can also last a very long time because it's not particularly easy to get a wicket so cricket can last a long time and is usually very high scoring those are the basic uh those are the basics of cricket I like that. I actually had no idea how cricket was played up until this point, but now it, it actually makes sense. Like, I didn't understand what the little sticks in the ground were. Those are wickets. Like, like, man, that's like a safety hazard. What if you run into them? But that that's the point, so. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. I like it. Good to know. I'll have to watch some cricket once sports start back up. Yeah, the, the Australian Cricket League might start sooner than anything else because Australia's done a good job with their virus prevention. So Australia and New Zealand might be playing cricket soon. Might be worth taking a look at. Definitely. I don't know if cricket's in season in Australia. It's probably not because it's winter in Australia, but we'll see. Cool. Speaking of taking a look at, Mike, have you taken a look at our Write That Down prediction board and seen if we have anything to even take off? Oh, I am always taking a look at the Write That Down board. And by always, I mean right before every episode. Um, but we don't have anything to take off, um, no. right? With no sports happening, there's not, not much to take off. So, Since we're not taking anything off, Kyle, do you want to lead us off on putting some new things onto the board? Oh. By that, I mean you don't have a choice. You have to do it anyway, but I was just being nice. Oh, giving yes, you the illusion of choice. I'm, I'm super pumped to put this one up on the board. Uh, so last week I had a theme of – uh, predicting the AFC divisional winners. So this week, it's only fair if I go to the NFC, right? So my prediction is that the 49ers, Saints, Eagles, and Vikings will all win their respective NFC divisions. Mm. Niners, Saints, Eagles, Vikings. Hmm. I mean, do we just give them a triple like we did last week? Uh, I, I guess, I mean, I, I can't say if it's more or less likely than the other predictions. Right, so. I mean, he didn't make any outrageous predictions here. No. None of, none of those teams are expected to be awful. 
So I'm I'm fine with the triple. Yeah, I I can't see a reason to not choose a triple. I guess. All right, triple sounds good to me. Triple it is. Sweet. What do you got, Mike? So my prediction, I didn't write this one down intentionally, but my prediction is that both of Kyle's predictions about division champions will be wrong. That's my write that down prediction. I mean, they probably will. (laughs) (laughs) So single? I'll I'll take Um, a single for that. Yeah, I was trying to quantify it, but I don't see it being anything other than a single, right? I'll I'll take a single for that. I mean, that's a lot right. of things to work out. So, if you'll take a single and won't argue with it, I like it. I like it. What do you got? So, I am going to stick with my theme. Kyle had his theme. My theme is uh, making my way up to predicting that the Cubs will win the World Series. But to do that. They have to win the NLCS. So I'm going to say that the Cubs are going to win the NLCS. So we gave you a triple last week for saying they'd make the NLCS. So is winning it enough to go to a home run, Kyle? That's the question. Probably. And when he inevitably makes a prediction next week that they win the World Series. That also has that, to be. That is a home run. I but think they both are. They're both? Yeah. Okay. So, home run? Yeah. All right, Cubs to the World Series seems fine for a home run for me. All right, you mean Cubs win the NLCS? Which is Cubs to Cubs the World, to World Series. Series is the same thing. Yeah, oh, I thought you meant win the World Series. No, yeah. I got you. Do yeah. we have anything for Josh this week? Uh, he said no, no prediction for Josh this week. But he is alive, awake, alert, and enthusiastic. Good to know. So, and And looking up facts about which river is the longest river in the U.S. instead of working, so... Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard today, but I was into it. Apparently, it's the Missouri, unless you ask Mike, and it's the Mississippi. So there's very conflicting information about what the there is conflicting information. In so, well, you as a viewer can find out which, as a viewer, as a listener, can find out which is the longest river in North America and report back to us. Drop us a DM on Instagram at 8311cast or drop us a line on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm/contact. Signing off, 8311cast. We have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Hi, Cloudwick. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.